It is so good to see all your faces early, 9.30 in the morning, ready to get into God's Word and spend time together in fellowship around it. My name is Bev Barris, and all sweet ladies from Lodi, I think. And it is my joy and privilege to be here this morning to, to be giving this seminar, which I told some of the ladies this morning is something that the Lord has just been impressing on my heart these days as I think about um, the last few years in particular and just the hardships that, you know, I know all of us have either witnessed or are going through um, in this journey of life. It's so easy to sort of tell ourselves that there are some spiritual disciplines that are optional when really the way God's word talks about it is they are essential. And it's not meant to burden us. It is meant to, like I was saying last night, it's not meant to burden us, but spiritual disciplines, when we understand their role in our lives, the way God has designed them to be, they are meant to be burden lifting and they are meant to help us grasp a greater vision for who God is. They are to make him more precious to us. They're not to make us more precious to God. And I think oftentimes that's why we feel so burdened when we think about reading the word or praying or even things like meditating on scripture. We, we find them to be burdensome because we've got it twisted. We think um, this is to make us more precious to God when really it's the other way around. Only one person can make us precious to God, right? And that's the God-man, Jesus Christ. So what we're doing in spiritual disciplines is we are refocusing our minds, our hearts, so that God would ultimately be precious to us. So that's what we're going to be doing this morning in the next 45 minutes. And I'm just going to start us off with a picture. I had a really cool video. I don't know if you all have seen this video, but there was a video. I forgot. I'm the one who needs to do this. There was a video that my sister showed me of a little, not little, but a sheep in Australia who was lost in a preserve. He got lost for like five years. So that's not a short amount of time, five years. And they, somebody was out on the preserve and they, they saw like a boulder, but the boulder was moving and so they got confused. And when they got closer, they realized it was a sheep and that he had been lost for five years with no one to care for him. So those who feel brave enough, just shout out, like, what, what does this look like? What kind of life did this sheep have, according to this picture? Heavy, burdened, what else? Stuck, yes. Frustrated. He apparently had wool covering the wool had grown over his eyes so he couldn't see. So what else does that tell you about him? If he can't see, he's, he's blind, he's lost, right? These are wonderful descriptions that you're giving me. So this little, this sheep, his name, they called him Barak. He's a living example of a shepherdless sheep, is he not? He's a living example of a shepherdless sheep. And it's not a pretty picture, is it? On his body, they said they sheared off 80 pounds of wool. 
So when they took it all off, they weighed it, and it was 80 pounds of wool. And according to Psalm 23, without God in our lives, are we not like this sheep, right? Wandering, lost, blind, burdened, malnourished, like not even able to feed. He's not even able to feed himself. He doesn't know where the food is. And, and that is a great picture of what we are like apart from God's presence in our lives, right? So maybe you're here today and you are in a season of hardship. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety. Maybe everything's okay. You're in a, in a great season of life, perfectly contented in the Lord right now. Maybe you're grieving something or you know someone who is grieving something heavy or you're in the midst of making big decisions or transitioning in a season of life and you're wondering or at some point you have wondered where is God in all of this where is God in all of this we see the craziness around us and we have to stop and ask ourselves where is God in all of this well dear sisters this is the psalm for us psalm 23 and I, I chose this psalm because we all know it right we're all familiar with this psalm so it's gonna it's gonna the process of going through this psalm will go a little more quickly but it'll also help us as we think about what it means to meditate on god's word together so this is a psalm for us it's a psalm about life with god through every season of life now half of this talk is just going to be learning from psalm 23 we're really going to get into it study it together and then the other half of this talk is about meditating on god's word what does that look like why do we do it and we're going to be practicing together, which is what I'm really excited about. So, again, spiritual disciplines are meant to stoke the fire of our joy in Christ. That's the role of being in God's word and meditating on it and prayerfully searching our hearts with it. It is so that it would stoke the fire of our joy in Christ, not to burden us. So we're going to be talking about this theme, right? There's this theme that goes throughout scripture, we call it the big story of the Bible. And one of the themes is the theme of the good shepherd. Does anyone know when's the first time this idea of God as a shepherd shows up in the Bible? Anybody? If you know, I have a book for you that I'm ready to part with. I can give to you. Someone said Moses. Close but a little bit earlier. It shows up even earlier in the scriptures. Uh, not quite yet. <laughs> Sorry, I, could, I heard a lot of answers. Abraham? No, a little bit after him. Okay, Jacob. Who said Jacob first? I have a book for you. It's over here. Come get it after. It's called Demystifying Decision-Making by my dear friend Amy Joseph. So come up and get the book after. But the first time that it shows up in the Bible is Genesis. So in Genesis 48, we see Jacob, who was also a shepherd, saying at the end of his life that God was the one who has been his shepherd all his life long to this day. So he gets to the end of his life and Jacob says, 
God has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Genesis 48, 15. Then we move on in the scriptures in the Old Testament, and we get to Jeremiah. Well, we also get to Psalm 23. There's a lot of imagery about shepherding and sheep and God as the shepherd. You're going to find it throughout the scriptures, but I'm going to draw our attention to Jeremiah 23. And this is, this is a passage where God tells his people that he longs to shepherd them one day. That is his promise, that he longs to shepherd them one day, and he will. And this beautiful theme of God as the shepherd of his people continues on into the New Testament. Right? We get into the New Testament, and what does Jesus say? Jesus gives the big reveal, and in John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus fulfills God's promise to shepherd his people back in Jeremiah. Why? Because Jesus is God. So Jesus is the good shepherd that we, that all of history has been waiting for. So to give a little context, Psalm 23 is written by who? David, right? This is written by David, who was a shepherd from the time that he was young. And David was also one who loved the Lord and treasured the scriptures. He treasured God's words. He lived on them. So he would have remembered in David's mind, David would have remembered how God was the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, how he led the Israelites out of bondage and out of slavery into freedom, how he led them through the wilderness as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He would have remembered how God tabernacled among his people, how he dwelled with them in the tent. And he would have remembered his great-grandmother Ruth, who was a Gentile and a foreigner to the Israelite people, yet God made her a part of his family, right? He would have remembered all these things. And then David personally experienced God's deliverance from enemies, right? Enemies like King Saul. Psalm 23 is the fruit. It is the fruit of David, David's discipline of meditating on God's word. We can say the scriptures were the lens. It's like the telescope through which he saw his whole life every activity, every thought. The scriptures were the lens through which David viewed life. And even after thousands of years since he wrote this, isn't it still timeless and appropriate and relevant for us today? Like, just marvel at that. When you go to a museum, right, and you see all those relics and things that were written thousands of years ago, they're not really relevant to us today anymore, right? And yet, the Bible holds. It is relevant to us today, even though it was written thousands of years ago. We're still gaining insight from David's spiritual act of meditating on scripture. So we're going to do a little quick group exercise right now. I just want you to break up into partners or groups. Um, If someone's here on their own and, and you don't have a group or a partner, just link up. Just join another group. Don't be shy. And I want us to read through Psalm 23. But this time, when we usually tend to read scriptures individualistically, right? We tend to just sort of, instead of doing the hard work of looking at the context or doing observation, we kind of jump to like, it's talking about me. This is about me. It's for you, but it's not about you. So we're going to go through Psalm 23, 
And here's what I would love for us to do today. As you go through it, this particular time, let's pay attention to where the shepherd is located. So there's a lot of good stuff there, but as you read through it together, pay attention to where specifically the shepherd is located throughout the psalm, okay? So go ahead, we'll, we'll do it in like four minutes. All right, ladies, one more minute. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and start us since we're running a little short on time. But I hope from reading that, I hope that there's a joy being stirred up in us about being part of God's flock, right? We could sit here 
all day, literally all day, and in fact, for eternity, we will sit and just talk about the joys of being under God's care. But the reality is life is full of difficulty, full of heart, heartbreak, full of challenges. And I know friends who are suffering all kinds of different things, persecution for their faith in some countries, unresolved health issues, miscarriages, infertility, loneliness, financial instability, I mean, you, hard church situations, you name it. We, it's a reminder, it's like flashing signs that we live in a fallen world, right? And hardships reveal, here's the thing about hardships, they reveal who it is we're following. They're hard gut checks. Who is the first person you run to when faced with danger and trials? How do you cope with suffering or loss in this world? David knew that whoever it is we run to for comfort first, that is the person who's shepherding us. So whatever it is that we are primarily running to for comfort, that's who is shepherding us. So we're going to go through and just look at this psalm real quickly, and we're going to start with verses 1 to 3. This psalm opens with the statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want so what, who, what do the first two words of the psalm tell us? Who's this about? The Lord. the Lord, right? We often think it's just about the sheep, but it's about the Lord. This is a psalm to teach us about the Lord. And this psalm is now going to detail for us what the care of the Lord is like. So David says, I shall not want, meaning he's not missing anything. He is satisfied. All his needs are met. Now, you all just spent some time looking at the passage. Where is the shepherd located in verses 1 to 3? Can you say it a little louder? Green pastures. Green pastures, but where specifically is he in proximity? With the sheep, but where specifically with the sheep? So there's a specific word I'm looking for. It's repeated twice. Leading, verses 1 to 3, he's leading. So in proximity to the sheep, the journey is kind of like a movie, and we're zooming in on where they're at in the journey. And now we've zoomed in, and we see right at the start, the Lord is the shepherd, and he is leading. He's out front. In other words, he is before the sheep, right? He's leading the sheep. He's before the sheep. And they didn't have highlighters back then, so how do they emphasize something? They repeat it for us, right? So they're repeating, the Lord is leading the sheep. And the good shepherd leads him to green pastures where he can rest and eat. He leads him beside calm or restful waters. Have any of you been to Niagara Falls? Yeah, I mean, are those calm and restful waters? No, if a sheep were to try to take a, a lap of water there, get pulled in and sucked away and, and fall over. But these are waters that have been chosen by the Lord that are calm and, and restful where the sheep can drink. So God goes before his sheep. And notice that they are his sheep, right? Jesus said, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. This is John 10. He says, he goes before his sheep, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Isn't that sweet? 
When God leads, Psalm 23 teaches us our souls are restored. His followers go down the right paths, the right direction. And David tells us that the quality of God's care speaks to the nature of his character. So those two things are linked in the passage for us. The quality of God's care, the good shepherd's care, tells us about his character. And so he's a good shepherd. These sheep are well cared for. And their care reflects what the shepherd is like for his name's sake, verse 3. So one way that you can meditate on a passage like this is to ask yourself a question. So when you are in God's word, when you're reading God's word, when you hear a sermon, anything, when you hear a song, one way that is helpful for meditating on it to let it sink down into the soil of your hearts is to ask questions. So one question you can ask from a passage like this is, how has God gone before you? What are ways that he has led you? And if you just look at scripture, you're going to see a thousand ways that God has gone before you and led you. And when you look at your own life, you're going to be able to to say ways that God has gone before you and led you, right? So consider things from your own life. Consider things from God's word. And when you do meditate on a passage like this by asking good questions, it helps us remember who's doing the leading and who's doing the following, right? Who's doing the leading in our lives and who's doing the following? Now we're going to move on to verses 4 to 5. Where is the shepherd in proximity to the sheep here in verses 4 to 5? So we, someone said something. With. There it is. He's with. I, for the sake of this talk, so we said he's before the sheep. Now he's beside the sheep. So we're moving on in the journey. He was before the sheep. Now in the middle of the psalm, he is beside the sheep, the good shepherd. Now, is this like a fuzzy, warm part of the psalm? No, it's not. It's taken a dark turn. We went from this sort of bright scene of like calm waters and green pastures and then boom, there's a valley. And it's not just any valley. It's the valley of darkness of the shadow of death. Like this is, it's taken a very dark turn. Verse five, he's seated at a table, but who's there? Is it his buddies? It's his enemies. So it's taken a dark turn, but here's the thing. The shepherd is with him. He's in the midst of the sheep. And how do we know this? We know it from verse 4, right? When we look at verse 4, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear, no e- for, I fear no danger, for you are with me. You are with me. Now, this is dark, but the sheep says he's not afraid. What a crazy statement. He's not afraid. In fact, he's comforted, comforted, right? In verse 4, he says he's actually comforted. He's got, the shepherd has a rod and a staff with him, a rod and a staff meant to sort of pull the sheep when the sheep starts to wander, but also to defend them from predators who may want to harm them, right? So the Lord is protecting, he's also defending. So the sheep feels comforted and also is not afraid. The Lord is with him. So my husband likes to take our dog on walks late at night, but where we live, coyotes come down from the hills, and you'll just see them like walking around at night. And there have been times where we've caught them on our 
um, nest cam attacking neighborhood dogs. Like, we woke up one morning, and it looked like a bloodbath had happened in our front yard because they'd been trying to eat someone's fluffy. It was really sad. But when my husband goes on these walks, he will, you know, carry a big stick so that if they come across a coyote, he's able to defend. So that's what the shepherd does. He protects and he defends his sheep. This psalm does remind us, like we were saying, about the difficult seasons in life. And what ultimately does he say is the source of comfort? It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God with us. So through Jesus, we have God with us. He is perfect love, First John says, right? And what does perfect love do? Casts out fear, sisters. It casts out fear. And God says to you and I today, don't be afraid. Why? Because we have smartphones that we can doom scroll on or because we can, you know, Google everything and have answers at the, the tips of our fingers or because we have to-do lists that can solve all of our problems. No, he says do not be afraid because he's with us. He's with you. He's with me. And God is always present in our trouble. He is present in our troubles today. He's not, he wasn't, it's not that he was present, it's that he is present. God is with us still. So what are we focusing on? Are we focused on the darkness of the valley before us? Are we focused on the presence of our enemies? Or are we giving attention to the shepherd who's beside us? Are we being comforted that he is with us? David's point here is that he is drawing near to the shepherd who is already there beside him. I love this quote. Keep your eyes on the good shepherd and you will make it out of the valley. Keep your eyes on the good shepherd and you will make it out of the valley. There we go. So those dark seasons become opportunities for us to draw near to Jesus. And I love that David captured this in the psalm because he's not saying, once you follow Jesus, you will have no problems in your life. That's the, that's the prosperity gospel, right? That you'll get everything you want, the life will be easy. No, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there, we live in a fallen world, there will be hard times, but God is with us. God is with us because of Jesus. So you can meditate on a passage like this by asking another question. Here's a question. How is God beside or with you? How is God beside or with you? That's one way if you just kind of sit and answer that question, there's so many ways you could answer it, right? I think of the Holy Spirit. God's given us the Holy Spirit. Once we believe in Jesus, he's given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment or an assurance that he will be with us forever, right? That's what the Holy Spirit, it is a deposit, God promising one day you will be in my presence forever and to prove it to you, I'm gonna leave my spirit here with you, right? So he is with us. So I encourage you just to sit with that question. How is God with you or beside you? And then lastly, let's go to verse 5b. So the last part of the psalm, 5b. And where was the shepherd here? So we said he's before, he's beside. Now where is he in proximity to the sheep at the end? Following. Following. Someone else said it. It's another B word. Behind. He's behind them. So I've got three B words for you. He's before, he's beside, and he's behind the sheep. Right? So, I mean, has he left anything out? 
No, he's got them covered on every side, right? So when we look at verse 5, we see David seated as an honored guest at the Lord's table. And at this table, his enemies are there, which is just, again, that reminder. We live in a fallen world. The world is broken. But here, the Lord, in verse 5, anoints David's head with oil. And David says his cup is just running over. It's that image of abundance, right? In, in ancient custom of hospitality and respect was to show your guests incredible hospitality by anointing their head with oil. And the oil was usually mixed with herbs or perfumes in order to soothe weary travelers, so people who'd been traveling from afar. So the oil was meant to be a sign of joy and of honor. And now David, he's seated at the Lord's table, and he says he will be able to be there forever at the Lord's table. And the Lord has anointed his head with oil. We used to live in the Middle East, my family and I, and I had the privilege of going to an Emirati wedding. So the Emiratis are a people group in the United Arab Emirates. And I got to go to, as a guest of a friend to one of their weddings, and you'd have a thousand Arab women in a ballroom together. It was so cool. And b before you go in, I saw all these bottles lined up on the wall. And I was like, what are these bottles? And my friend said, put your finger in, it's, it's perfume, like to anoint yourself before you go in. And it was just this neat little picture for me of what it must have been like back then when you would be the honored guest at a wedding or at a dinner, and it's their way of welcoming you, that oil to anoint weary travelers. That's the kind of hospitality God shows us, right? He anoints the head with oil. It's a sign of joy. And then there's this picture of the cup just spilling over. That means there's an abundance there. You know, the Lord provides for his people beyond what we deserve. Do you sense that in your own life? Sisters, God is bigger than inflation. We don't put our trust in the Federal Reserve or a good economy. The Bible's one big story teaching us that we, as God's people, are to put our trust in Jesus Christ. And he knows better than anybody else what we need when we need it. He knows what we need when we need it. And my husband and I, we've just been through the process of church planting in Orange County, and we have seen that in living color, just the ways that like, we have prayed and sought the Lord and how he's provided, just out of nowhere, provided at every turn. And would it have been easier if all the things we wanted just sort of fell into place and we didn't have to pray about it? Yes, it would be easier. But my husband said, Bev, he wants to keep us dependent. He knows that that is where joy is, in dependency on the Lord, not wandering away from being dependent on him, right? So that's what this psalm teaches us. And we end it with the triumphant arrival of the sheep at the house of the Lord. Verse 6. And it's this beautiful image. So you guys mentioned he's now behind the sheep. And how do we know this? It says, God's goodness and mercy follow him all the days of his life. They are now behind the sheep. That means the shepherd has led the sheep all the way to the destination, his house. And it's not just for a few days of rest. It's not just for a temporary shelter. David says right there at the very end, I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. And this truth, you know, Courtney is the one who actually, um, I remember hearing her say this, this truth changes our what ifs to even if, right? It changes our what ifs to even if. Even if the worst thing we can imagine happens, God is still good, right? Because we can sit there, we can mull over all the what ifs in life, but even if, you know, even if that what if becomes true, God is still good and his goodness and mercy will help us make it all the way home. So that's why I love gospel-centered funerals. Um, I went to a funeral a few months ago and there's a lot of heartache, there's a lot of heartbreak there, but there is also a lot of joy because you realize for the believer, they made it home. There's a sweetness there that we can rejoice over. They made it home was the phrase that they used. And we don't deserve, none of us deserve this. We don't deserve the protection, the care, um, the nurturing of a good shepherd. We don't deserve to be part of his flock. But because of Jesus, we can be, right? He is the shepherd who leaves the 99 to rescue the one. He is the shepherd who keeps the thief from getting into the pen to steal his sheep. So another question you can ask yourself from a passage like this is, how is God behind you? How is God ensuring your safe arrival home? Oftentimes I think when my faith has been challenged the most, when I have doubts, I think about the fact that I still have faith. And a good friend of mine after she lost her child said, we asked her, we were just sitting with her, she was weeping, and she said all, out of nowhere, well, I know that my faith is real because she was still hanging on to God in the midst of such grief and sorrow. And so she can't get there unless she's meditating on passages like this and asking herself the questions, how is God behind me? How is he keeping me in the faith? Because it's not us, it's him who keeps us in the faith, right? So if I can summarize this whole psalm into one sentence, which is one thing I would encourage us to do to see if you really grasp a passage of scripture is to see if you can summarize it in one sentence. Okay, so when you read a passage of scripture, it doesn't matter if it's a whole chapter, a whole book, or even a little one verse, see if you're able to summarize it in one sentence. It's really hard to do, but if you're able to do it, that means you have really grasped what the author intended to tell us. So here's what I would say it is for, uh, for us. Psalm 23 teaches us that the good shepherd goes before the sheep, beside the sheep, and behind the sheep. And so the emphasis there is on the good shepherd, right? The emphasis on the good shepherd. And nothing, Romans says, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ our Lord. So this is the same sheep that I showed the picture of earlier. He's 80 pounds lighter. He can see. He looks so different, right? And it's because the burden that he was carrying has been lifted, right? And I want us to think of ourselves like this sheep, like the burden that we were carrying from our sin, the guilt of our sin, the right condemnation, what Courtney talked about last night, that the universality and the realness of sin and how wicked it is to God. We're, we are those who've been freed of that burden, right? We're cared for. And this is a picture of the Christian life. One of my favorite hymns is called The King of Love. And it's based on Psalm 23, and the first verse says this, The king of love my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, 
and he is mine forever. So sisters, he is yours forever through Jesus Christ. So lastly, in our last few minutes, I just want to talk about meditation. What did all of this have to do with meditation? Well, meditation, I think, in the midst of just what a busy world we live in or how prone we are to now escape the world on like little devices, meditation is something that we just don't talk a lot about, right? Or maybe you're in the habit of doing, I hope you are, it's something I struggle with, which is why I just thought, even for the sake of my own soul, I love thinking about this because I struggle with it. And we can get lost in the busyness of life doing good things, or sometimes it's just too painful to even sit with our thoughts before the Lord. But that is why meditation is necessary. And I think a lot of us think it's optional. It's like a fun thing you can do when you have time. I know that I thought this, especially when my children were babies. I was like, I can't even put two thoughts together for more than three minutes. How can I think about scripture? But here's the thing. It is essential. And Professor Donald Whitney says this about meditation. The main reason that we struggle to remember what we read or heard in the scriptures is not because of a faulty memory. Maybe you do have a faulty memory, but usually that's what the main reason we're struggling to remember what we heard or read is not a faulty memory. It's because we haven't meditated on it. We haven't meditated on what we've heard or read. He says, we think of it as daydreaming, but that's not what meditation is. It's not daydreaming and letting your mind wander. It is actually a focusing of your thoughts. It's focusing of your thoughts. It's giving attention to the verse, the phrase, the word, or the teaching of scripture that you have chosen. And instead of a mental like aimlessness, in meditation, your mind is on track. It's going somewhere, it has a direction. So I want us to think of it that way. Where do we see it in scripture? Well, the psalmist says, blessed is a man who delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 1, verse 2. And then here in Colossians 3.16 in the New Testament, let the word of Christ, what? Dwell in you surfacely? Like superficially? Richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So I love that. Those, these are things that are commanded for us. They're essential they're not optional. So what is meditation? What's well, the process of allowing the word of Christ to dwell in you richly? Like, look around, sisters. We're, we're surrounded by sequoias and huge trees. And I remember my husband, we have a lot of palm trees down south. And when the winds hit, you see these giant palm trees, and they're just like going back and forth. And I was like, how are they not falling down? That's kind of crazy. And he said, it's because the roots are deep and they're big, and they're anchoring them in so that they don't fall over. Well, that's the picture that the Bible gives us of us. We want to be those whose roots are so deep, so strong, we're so deeply rooted that nothing can knock us down, right? But the only way that can happen is if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So another way to think of meditation, you know, the word is our food, but you gotta digest your food, right? You have to actually pull the nutrients from it. We don't just put it in our mouth and take it out. We let our bodies digest it. Well, meditation is that digestion process. It is letting your soul take all the nutrients out of God's word. 
It is also, as Megan was saying last night, it's sitting with your thoughts. You know, you can hear what I'm saying right now, but it's, nothing is going to internalize until you say it yourself, until you're able to say these truths out loud for yourself. So meditation is something we need to plan for. It's not going to become a habit unless we plan to do it. And it's something as simple as just taking time to think God's thoughts after him. So that's what makes Christian meditation different. It's not like Buddhist meditation, which my dad used to do. He would sit there and it's like he's meditating. I don't know what he was meditating on. But for us as Christians, it is meditating particularly on God's words. And it's doing it prayerfully. Like, what do you want to tell me from this, Lord? You know, thinking God's thoughts after God. So this whole psalm, Psalm 23, is a perfect example of David's meditation process, right? He spent every day shepherding. That's what he did. That was his day job. But he didn't leave it there. He was also a master of God's word. He knew God's word. And he fused the two together and he processed what he did during the day through the lens of scripture and he connected his day job with a greater spiritual reality, and that's the product of, Sam, of Psalm 23. So we want to take the things we've learned about God from time in church, from Bible study, from discipleship, from your own personal time, and we want to sit there and think God's thoughts after him. And you can get creative. I know I'm saying make a plan, and some of us are type A, so then we, it's easy to make a plan, but what I mean by that is it can be you can be creative and it can be simple. You can meditate with God anytime, anywhere, in any season. So, for some people, where do you spend a lot of time? Doing the dishes? I have literally had to put scripture right where I do the dishes so that if there's a verse I'm trying to work through or something that I just don't fully understand about the Lord's character, I put it there and so as I'm washing dishes, I'm thinking about it. Or is it dropping off kids, like taking them, you're in the car a lot, you know, put on a devotional. I love this one devotional called Solid Joys by Desiring God, and it's like four minutes. And I'll listen to it, and then I'll sit and spend the rest of the car ride just chewing on what, what was just said. There, yeah, I have a friend who put verses or hymns in a waterproof thing and hung it in the shower so that, you know, as she's shampooing her hair, she can look at this hymn and she can sing it, or she can memorize scripture in the shower, because you're in there. These are all things we do all the time, right? So get creative with it, whether it's folding laundry, driving to work. Um, there are so many ways. Put something there to remind you to pray and to think on something specific. Put it as, like, the wallpaper of your phone. So meditating helps switch our mindset from what do I think about this to what does God think about this? And the other thing you can do with meditating is to do it with people, and you should, because part of the thing about being a sheep is you're part of a flock. And I think today in our very individualistic society, we think of just ourselves as a lone sheep, but really God has placed us into a flock. We're not alone. We're not lost anymore. We have family. We have a spiritual family, and we get to follow Jesus together all the way home, where his goodness and mercy follow us. So in our last minute, 
I just want us to do this together. Just sort of go back into your groups and just each of us share one way that you have seen the Lord either go before you, beside you, or behind you, and just share it with each other. Just share one way that the Lord has gone before you, beside you, or behind you. Just take 30 seconds to do that. All right, ladies, I know it's not a lot of time, I'm so sorry, but this is something you can do the rest of the weekend, and I would encourage you to do it. As you take walks this afternoon, as you go back and forth between dining hall, think about how God has fed you, how he's cared for you. Um, keep sharing that with each other. Do that work of meditation together. We listen to God's word, and we meditate on God's word so that we will be able to discern his voice, right? We'll be able to know when he's the one speaking or when it's someone else. That's what the, that, that lost art of meditation is for because we can so easily be listening to someone else and thinking we're following Jesus when really that's not his voice. We as the sheep need to know his voice. So let me just close us in prayer. Oh, good shepherd of the sheep, we thank you for your love your kindness and your protection over us. We thank you that through Jesus, we have your unmerited love and nothing can separate us from that love, Father. We thank you that you have brought us into the safety of your sheepfold and that on this journey of life, you go, you go before us, beside us and behind us, Lord. Make us dependent on your leading. Make us dependent on your words. God, I pray that we would be women, that the women here would be those who allow the word of Christ to dwell in them richly in the soil of their hearts, Lord, so that we would be immovable and steadfast women of God. Lord, we thank you that even on the hard journeys, you are there with us and comforting us. And God, I pray that there would be much fruit from just, just the meditating that will happen from this day forward, Lord. We pray that we would be those who are able to say at the end of our lives, just like Jacob said, you are the God who has been our shepherd all our life long. So we thank you, Lord, for Jesus who makes that happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.